You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hi, I'm Perry Carpenter, and you're listening to Eighth Layer Insights. Mindfulness. That's a word you've probably been hearing a lot these days. We live in a world that feels more fast-paced and stressful than ever before. On top of that, a global pandemic, political and social strife, and economic uncertainties have only made things worse. Let's face it, we're all a bit anxious and stressed out. In the context we usually hear about it, mindfulness is about mental wellness. We are encouraged to slow down and focus on the present moment, to be more aware of our thoughts and emotions, which can then lead to better self-regulation and self-care, and to reduce stress and improve our overall well-being. All of that makes sense from a self-care and well-being perspective. In fact, when someone says the term mindfulness, the pictures that immediately come into your mind might be TikTok influencers in yoga poses. And that's not a completely inaccurate description. But it's not fully accurate either. So what is it? What is mindfulness and what is the connection between mindfulness and cybersecurity? To help us explore those questions, I've invited four guests. You'll hear from Anna Collard, Yvonne and Jasmine Eskinzi, and Michael Davis. Let's dive in. Distraction, multitasking, being cognitively overloaded is sort of a side effect of our modern life. We're living in this instant society, this kind of you know, now, now, now society with the pressures on us constantly. And when we look at cybersecurity, it is such a fast-paced industry and people are having alert fatigue on a daily basis. Finding one's own voice in the context of life in general is probably the best part about mindfulness is that we slow down enough to hear our own voice. It's really talking about reflecting and observing things and not just reacting to impulses, reacting to emotions. We need people to be able to think clearly. We have to listen with our third ear. On today's show, we explore the concept of mindfulness, what it is, how it relates to cybersecurity, and how you can begin to use mindfulness to reduce human risk in your organization. Welcome to Eighth Layer Insights. This podcast is a multidisciplinary exploration into the complexities of human nature and how those complexities impact everything from why we think the things that we think to why we do the things that we do and how we can all make better decisions every day. This is Eighth Layer Insights, Season 3, Episode 1. I'm Barry Carpenter. We'll be right back after this message. So, what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of security, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors at Know Before can tell you, human error is how most organizations get compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out later in the show. 
and welcome to Season 3 of 8th Layer Insights. I hope you enjoyed the bonus episodes we released between seasons, but now it's time to get back to work. Back to the full swing of things. Nose to the grindstone. Wait. <laughs> Incense? That smell seems to be coming from Carl's office. Let me go check on... Carl! Carl? Carl, what's going on? Ugh. Carl, again with the texts. He says, sorry, am I late for recording? I was just finishing my yoga practice. Yeah, you're late. I already got started and just realized that... Oh, sorry for being late. It took me way longer than I expected to get these yoga pants on. What? Seriously, I think they were like two sizes too small. You should see. No, no, that's okay. You finish up and get changed and I'll um, see you in a few. Carl again. Just one word. Ouch. Chafing. OMG, I have never had this kind of chafing before. That doesn't sound good. Do you think urgent care is still open? <sighs> this guy. Um, probably so. Go take care of yourself. I'll cover the recording stuff for today. Well, we hope that uh, Carl is okay for the rest of today and that he doesn't have any permanent damage from trying on yoga pants that are too small. But let's get back to it. Where were we? Oh, oh yeah, mindfulness. In the intro to this show, I always say that this podcast explores why we think the things that we think and do the things that we do. But let's take that phrase and put it on its side. Let's explore how we think the things that we think, and perhaps discover alternate ways of doing the things that we do. That's where the concept of mindfulness comes in. Now, I've been hearing people talk about the connection between mindfulness and cybersecurity for a few years now, but I've not done a ton of personal research into it. So for today's show, I wanted to contact a few guides to help us out. Let me introduce you to one of them. Hi, my name is Anna Collard, and I'm an evangelist for Noble in Africa. I know you're quite passionate about mindfulness. So for you, when somebody uses the word mindfulness, what does that bring to mind? Mindfulness, if we just look at it as a word semantically, it really just means reflecting or thinking about our thoughts. Unfortunately, a lot of people have religious connotations with it. Obviously, it's been also used a lot recently in the holistic health world, which is it's a good thing. But technically, it really just means to reflect or observe what's going on in the moment. Okay, so before we go much further, I want to introduce another guest so that we can start to have a discussion about how mindfulness can influence our interactions with technology and security. My name is Mike Davidson. I run a cybersecurity company based in mindfulness and 
The concept of mindfulness for this company and my personal journey through mindfulness is really just finding our digital why. It's mostly built around pausing, reflecting, but also just thinking about how we show up in tech. There's a certain balance in how we think, how we creatively attach to technology through mindfulness. So when we can pause enough to slow down, I think that's the best way to um, really kind of dig into what the benefits of mindfulness are. But more importantly, how do we better represent ourselves online, particularly when the online community is so full of the unknown. So mindfulness relative to the concept within cybersecurity is on the back of safety. It's on the back of reducing cyber carelessness, having better access to digital agency, and just being less distracted relative to tech. So mindfulness carries with it the idea of being in the present moment. That sounds suspiciously like the concept of awareness that we commonly talk about. And it also reminds me of a short mental game that I included back in episode two of season one. For those of you new to the show, here it is. We'll be talking a lot about mental processes today. And so before we go too much further, let's do a couple mental stretching exercises just to get ourselves ready. Try this with me. Try to say the word white five times as fast as you can. All right, go now. Okay, nice try, but I think you can do it faster and maybe even louder wherever you are. Say white five times now. Great. Now answer this question. What do cows drink? Um, you answered milk, didn't you? That's okay. Most people do. But even right now, you're realizing that was wrong. Because, of course, cows don't drink milk. They produce milk. Cows drink water. And you may have even realized it as you were thinking it or as you were saying it. Simultaneously thinking, this can't be right. But you felt the mental tug in that direction and you couldn't resist it. There are some very good reasons why that is so. The first reason is because I set a frame. And what framing does is it sets context around a mental process or a way that somebody views the world. And so the framing here started with white. I was wanting you to to think in the categories of white. And then the other main thing at play here was the idea of rushing you. Rushing you into it was to engage a very fast style of thinking where you're likely to take shortcuts. You're very unlikely to think methodically or logically about something. Now you're in fast thinking mode and your frame is white. So your natural tendency is to go into an associative mode of thinking where you look for an association to map to that answer. So you're thinking of white and you're thinking of types of drinks. And then also within frame and within the association was the idea of a cow. And milk is the common association because of the context of white and the context of cow. So all of this framing and the pressure of the speed all come together to basically force your mind to pick milk. Got milk? 
So mindfulness, being in the present moment, would help us not get stuck in these kinds of frames. Mindfulness is a mindset and a set of practices aimed at helping us slow down. And that's important. When you think about mindfulness, you've been looking at it in relation to cybersecurity. So what's the connection there for you? Simply put, the connection between mindfulness and cybersecurity is it's a meta experience, not meta the Facebook company, but meta in terms of meta analysis. It's the meta getting out of your own way and getting out of the real perspective in the moment and stepping outside of yourself to observe yourself. And I think that's the real connection between mindfulness and cybersecurity is that we get a chance to really reflect from outside and to reduce carelessness and be less distracted and to better define our digital why. So when we apply mindfulness as a stress-reducing technology or technique, and we then look at cybersecurity and the link between people being stressed, people being distracted, people being not in the moment and being more prone to human error or, for example, clicking on things that they shouldn't be clicking on, then mindfulness comes in as a as like a as a control really to help people to not just react to social engineering attacks that may an, invoke an emotion, for example, or to not just mindlessly click on things when we are distracted. And I'd need to actually tell you a little story about that. What happened to to me a couple of months ago is that. And, and I've been in cybersecurity for 20 years. I really should know better. But a couple of months ago, I was sitting in an Uber car because I had to pick up my own car from the service. And I was speaking to the driver and it was after hours and the area was a bit dodgy. So he dropped me off at the workshop. And I was looking around to see if there were any you know, characters looking around while speaking to the driver while packing my bag and checking my email at the same time. In that moment, I did get an Uber-branded phishing email or phishing simulation email. And I don't know what happened. It was a very obvious email that I would never click on. It's verify your right. account details. But in that moment, I clicked on it. And then I had to take training that I developed myself <laughs> And what was really interesting is that our IT department sent out the security team, they sent out a survey. They said, what were you doing when this happened? Where were you? And I said, this is really interesting data because I'd like to see what happens to other people within our own company where we evangelize security right. awareness, where we are being trained ruthlessly all the time, yet we still have people that fall for it, including myself. <clears throat> and what was interesting in the data is that 53% of our internal people fail phishing tests when they are distracted and multitasking. And that's exactly what happened to me as well. The fact that the context was really perfect, right. I think that's just a lucky coincidence for the security guys. <laughs> That's a key thing, though, is because in a lot of those phishing attacks like Uber, there there's a couple things that make those work. One is just familiarity with the brand, but then, of course, the distraction piece that you hit is I might absently do it. But then the other is that at some point, there are going to be people that are in the right context. You're sitting in an Uber, and then so things just click in a different way. Yeah, and then I looked into it a bit deeper and I found other publicly released survey data. In fact, there was a survey done by Tessian, I think it was in, in 2020, 
that said like 47% of the cases where people fall for phishing emails, distraction is the reason. And then 41%, again, distraction is the reason when they send out emails to people that they shouldn't send it. So it really distraction, multitasking, being cognitively overloaded is a side effect of our modern life. And it also, and this comes with now the link to the mindfulness point, is it's when we are not mindful. So mindfulness really talking about reflecting and being more in your sort of cognitive, the frontal lobe of your of your brain or of your being and observing things and not just reacting to to impulses, reacting to emotions. From a social engineering point of view, that's exactly what they're trying to get us to do is to hijack our critical thinking by invoking emotions such as a low-grade form of fear, urgency, all the techniques that are being used there. And if we are able to remind ourselves more often to actually take a breather, get back into the moment, not just react, but observe more. And I know it's difficult, particularly if a million things are going on at the same time, but that's really where mindfulness practice, and when I say practice, it's easy to be super mindful when you meditate or you're in a yoga class, but the practice of it means that you should take that approach into your daily life. There's a certain balance in how we think, how we creatively attach to technology through mindfulness. So when we can pause enough to slow down, I think that's the best way to um, really kind of dig into what the benefits of mindfulness are. But more importantly, how do we better represent ourselves online, particularly when the online community is so full of the unknown. So mindfulness relative to the concept within cybersecurity is on the back of safety. It's on the back of reducing cyber carelessness, having better access to digital agency, and just being less distracted relative to tech. Before I have a meeting, before I open my emails, before I respond to people, can I take a deep breath, observe what's going on within me? What types of emotions am I feeling? Hey, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. That's a warning sign, right? Hey, that person might come across as angry. This is triggering. Don't just react, breathe, and then observe what's going on. And yes, that's the technique that you would find in anger management class, but it should also be a technique that we should teach people in a anti-social engineering class or a security class. Non-specific cybersecurity stories that tap into mindfulness are based in really finding one's own voice. And I think finding one's own voice in the context of life in general is probably the best part about mindfulness, is that we slow down enough to hear our own voice. The voice that represents my authentic self. That's what mindfulness has given me in general. Regardless of tech, it has given me that level of confidence to slow down and ask the question, who am I right now? And in fact, there's been some research that was done in 2017 by a group, Michael Dinger from the University of South Carolina, Jason Bennett Thatcher. And they, they've done a review or they published a report called Training to Mitigate Phishing Attacks Using Mindfulness Techniques where they showed that training using a mindfulness approach rather than a more sort of traditional rule-based training approach showed improved resistance to phishing attacks. Slowing down enough allows us to have a really a different perspective, particularly when we're tired. I think we all know what it feels like when we're tired and we're making decisions or you're taking a long drive and you need to sleep, but you you push through it anyway. And somehow in that drive, you end up at exit 42. You don't know how you got there.
We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. And now we return to our sponsor's question about forms of social engineering. Know Before will tell you that where there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need new school security awareness training. See how your security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it at knowbefore.com slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com slash phishing test. Welcome back. As I was talking to Anna and Michael, something kept standing out to me. Now, maybe this is because they're both cybersecurity professionals, but I suspect not. And the reason is, is that I also spent quite a bit of time looking at materials and watching videos about mindfulness from people who have nothing to do with cybersecurity. What's the thing that stood out? It's actually pretty simple. It's that mindfulness as a core concept isn't this foreign metaphysical concept. Sure, like a lot of things, the concept can be used and applied in many contexts, but that core concept is very, very similar to the very intentional focusing on the present moment mindset that we hope employees adopt to suss out phishing attacks and to, well, be mindful of the threats all around them. If you're familiar with Daniel Kahneman's System 1 and System 2 thinking model, there's definitely a linkage between mindfulness and finding ways to intentionally enter System 2. I've talked about Systems 1 and 2 on other episodes, so we don't need to do a deep dive here, but I do think you might appreciate hearing or listening again to this quick example that I gave all the way back in Season 1, Episode 2 of the show. We'll start with the work of behavioral economist Daniel Kahneman. In Kahneman's work, Thinking Fast and Slow, he describes two types of thinking, System 1 and System 2. System 1 is very fast, it's emotion-driven, it takes shortcuts, and it's great, but taking shortcuts means that our minds are constantly making assumptions, and that can lead to errors. So System 1 is fast, but it's error-prone, and System 1 is driven by heightened emotion or just relaxing into a decision and doing what feels right at the time, what comes in the moment. System two is much slower. It's more methodical, it takes effort, and we don't often like the mental process of putting in the effort, but it leads to better, more reliable results. Now, the problem with all of this is that system one accounts for about 95% of our thinking and actions, and system two accounts for only 5% of our thinking. Think about that. About 95% of our thoughts and actions are governed by emotion and taking shortcuts and can have the tendency to be error prone. That's not a good ratio. Here's an example that just about everybody can relate to. So imagine yourself sitting at your desk. Maybe you're drinking your morning coffee and scribbling down a few notes to remember later that day. And you set your pen down for a minute to focus on something else. And then out of the corner of your eye, 
you notice your pen rolling towards the edge of the desk, about to plummet to the floor. And at that point, without any conscious thought or effort, your hand shoots out with ninja-like reflexes to snatch the pen from the precipice. I mean, these reflexes you didn't even know you had, but other people would certainly be impressed with if they saw. But there's just one problem with that. While in ninja reflex mode, you accidentally swept away your coffee cup, causing a huge mess. Seriously, coffee everywhere, ruining the next five to 10 minutes of your life. All because your mind never logically assessed the situation. It saw a stimulus and it reacted by taking a shortcut. So we know that intentionally moving into system two and finding ways to stay there at critical moments is hard. Our minds love being in shortcut mode and making fast in the moment decisions that can lead us astray. So how can we adopt mindfulness in practical ways? And what are some of the methods and tools that will help us do that? And what's the payoff? To help us explore those questions, let's bring in two more guests. Meet Yvonne and Jasmine Eskenzi. I wanted to speak to them because they recently developed a mobile app all based around mindfulness and ways to boost mood and productivity. The app is called The Zensory, and this is not a product pitch for that app, but I wanted to talk to them to talk about the application of the science that they were researching and what the science tells us about how we can help our people become more focused and productive, and as a result of all of that, less susceptible to human risk. I'm Yvonne Eskenzi, the founder of The Zensory. And I'm Jasmine Eskenzi, the co-founder of The Zensory. Uh, I'm hearing in that name, I'm hearing Zen and Sensory. So I'm assuming that this has something to do with mindfulness. Tell me a little bit about, um, I guess it's a mobile app, is that correct? Can you give me the, give me like that elevator pitch version of what the Zensory is? So we're using the latest neuroscience to tap into the power of your senses, your body and your mind to help you live and work at your best. The Zensory is the first ever immersive sense hacking platform designed to super boost your mood to increase focus, performance, and recalibration. So as we think about the purpose of an app like this, you talked about performance and um, things that go along with that. Can you can you unpack that a little bit? Talk about um, what you're really trying to achieve with the app and then anything around the science, you know, what makes this something that actually helps people achieve that. Okay, so I, I think Jasmine and I came to this this whole Zensory idea. Um, I'd been in cybersecurity for 26 years, Perry. I don't know if that's longer than you, but it's a very long time. Um, and the idea, you know, I have seen so many people burning out. And, um, and my daughter, Jasmine here, is a whole generation younger than me, obviously, and was finding exactly the same, weren't you, Jasmine? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, and I think we both came together and thought, what is going on out there? This is just no good. Uh, we've got to do something. We've got to bring our... Uh, and we both have totally different experiences. Mine was cybersecurity and Jasmine was the, the health tech sector and had done quite a lot of work into longevity and um, life expectancy and stuff like that. And we just, from our own experiences, were seeing so many awful stories. And I, um, obviously, I, I also run um, Eskenzi PR, which is a cybersecurity PR agency. And for many of my clients, we were doing lots and lots of research into um, stress levels amongst the CISO and I, IT security sector. 
Um, and, you know, we're finding figures like 88% of CISOs are under a huge amount of stress. Um, you know, lots of 10% of CISOs have actually left their last role uh, just because they couldn't hack it. It was just too much. And so more and more and more, we were seeing this kind of like depletion of humans. Uh, and we are so, we're living in this instant society, this kind of you know, now, now, now society with the pressures on us constantly. And certainly in cybersecurity, you know, you are, you've got to be alert and you've got so many different things coming in, kind of hitting you all the time. And actually, you know, it's kind of this fatigue. It's this kind of like, I can't cope anymore. And that's really where we came to the idea of the Zensory, that we needed to find somewhere you know, you're almost your pocket um, retreat where you could kind of get into um, and actually focus. And that's where it all comes down to. And actually, we've got so many distractions when we were at home that this whole distractive environment was causing us big, big problems. And of course, when you are actually stressed, your amygdala, that's your flight and your fight part of your brain, is so swollen. And your prefrontal cortex, which is your thinking focus part, is atrophied. And there was an awful lot of research went into this. Um, and we found that our job should be with, with the sensory to try and get your focus brain, your frontal cortex to be the big part, not this amygdala, this, this flight and fright. And that's what we're trying to achieve with the sensory. And we decided we needed to hack into your senses and try and use your own innate tools of your body to try and help you to get into the right space. And, and, and Jasmine's kind of got together with a number of different um, composers and musicians to really use binaural beats. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, from my side, um, with Express in the health tech space, working with a parliamentary group for longevity, assessing how we can actually help people in the UK to live longer, um, lifestyle is a fundamental pillar of this. And as well from speaking to so many people within the health tech space, it became clear that most doctors have such a small amount of time to see patients. And again, it, it's become a prescriptive environment. We've become such a prescriptive society. Um, and I think we're looking more, we want to be looking more from a preventative angle. How can we prevent people getting to the stage of burnout? How can we prevent people getting to the stage of anxiety that's crippling them on a daily basis? So our ethos is we want to put less into our bodies and learn how we can get more out of them. So then we started looking at sense hacking and this concept of sense hacking. So we spoke with Professor Charles Spence from Oxford University. Um, and he's actually said that sense hacking is one of the most powerful and underutilized ways to improve our social, cognitive, and emotional well-being. And this is fascinating because I think, you know, we're, we're in a society where we want quick fixes. We want to feel energized. We have a cup of coffee. We've got a headache. We'll take painkillers. But actually, the more we delved into the research, we were seeing that there are certain types of music that can reduce pain from the work that we've been doing with some of the, the binaural beats, the calming music, the low frequencies, the naturescapes. This was actually helping people with, with uh, uh, chronic pain conditions that were actually coming to us and we were interviewing people that, that, was, that was helping them with their chronic pain. So, you know, there's a lot around music therapy that's coming out. Again, when you look at breathing, breathing is a very powerful tool to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So if you're looking to calm yourselves down, you know, starting to uh, have a longer exhalation of breath already is going to calm you, calm you down. And, as Yvonne mentioned, enable you to think more clearly and to activate the prefrontal cortex. 
So there are the most brilliant hacks that we can be using as human beings on a daily basis to optimize our performance. So, um, so as mentioned, I was uh, started composing music with a friend of mine using binaural beat frequencies as the foundation for the music. And how this works is you, you create two different tones in either ear. So you could have 100 hertz in the left ear and 105 hertz in the right ear, creating a 5 hertz resonance. The brain then will create that 5 hertz, which will then be in a certain frequency wave. Um, so, so that will kind of work along, along those kind of lines. Um, so you have, you know, theta waves for creativity, alpha waves for relaxation, beta waves for productivity, and gamma waves for, mem for memory processing, rapid insight. Um, and we've actually embedded that within the music, then written music in that same key on top of the binaural beats and added nature scapes, which then add an extra element of calming people down. Um, and then on top of that, we were looking at ways you can use movement, such as posture, as well, we're speaking to uh, a neurobiologist as well about how posture in itself can trigger the way that you're feeling massively in terms of giving you a sense of uh, shifting anxiety from the chest into the lower back. So you can actually kind of, again, just through the way you're sitting and spinal movements can shift this, the way that you're feeling. Again, smell, the sense of smell goes straight to the hippocampus and it's a hugely powerful sense for triggering memory. So there's so much we can be doing to actually hack into the average, you know, working day just through using our senses, which are completely free. And each of us has a sense that will be particularly heightened for us. Mine is auditory. Uh, Yvonne's is very much visual. And again, we all have certain senses. So there's this real uh, exciting movement that's coming about how we can hack into our bodies. This is phenomenally exciting. And yeah. this is what we're striving to achieve with what we're doing. And, and I think the essence, Perry, is that you cannot focus you can't work if you're highly strong and mm -hmm. you're all over the place and you're feeling stressed um yeah and i think that's why we decided to build a focus app to actually use all these different methods as jasmine said music and breathing movement smell all of those things that our, our brains kind of respond to um to try and help you get you into the zone i think the incorporation of a mindfulness approach to cybersecurity is often controversial because everyone always assumes, at least the majority of my friends and colleagues, always assumes that we're going to go to the server room and get in the lotus position and, you know, and repeat some mantra for an hour. I think the one thing that I would take as soon as possible would just to redo, look at policies that are tapped into cybersecurity organizations and find ways to incorporate mindfulness solutions in policy. And I know that's a long-winded way of saying, let's start with the foundation of the company, foundation of how we show up to work. Because I think once you have a policy in place, and maybe you have an institution that works really aggressively and they're constantly go, 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 to start to slow down can be very challenging and can be very can be daunting for a lot of organizations. So I think if you slowly start to incorporate mindfulness-based solutions into the policy, into the fabric of the organization, where it becomes a natural inclination to think a certain way. It's like a slower, it's like moving a carrier versus moving a towboat, because ultimately the carrier takes a lot longer to turn, where you could probably institute a little quicker in many ways by just starting slow, but steady type of in injections into their into organization's policies. I think another way is focused in CEOs, CTOs, and the C-suite folks need to come down and speak to their employee base 
in this realm and not, again, not the kind of lotus position in the server room, but the idea of having, how do we show up to work? And sometimes bosses and supervisors are so disconnected from that space. So mindfulness in that regard, particularly in cybersecurity, I think we could show up differently, give employees a sense of how humans interact on a conscious level. I believe that might be the best, one of the, be- one of the better solutions to start ASAP. I know you've been thinking about this for years now. So if you were given a project and somebody said, we want you to implement a mindfulness approach to cybersecurity or cybersecurity training or the way that we implement tools or something else, and you've got the next year to 18 months to do that, what would be your first few steps? Oh, the first step would be to, and it's actually funny because I'm busy with the production of a, like a content course on that topic in particular. So it explains in, in non-spiritual, technical terms why there is a benefit to people in doing mindfulness approaches without even using the term mindfulness. Like we literally okay. just keep it very clinical and explaining the link to productivity, um, and being safer online, literally. So yeah. we're keeping it in that realm. So I think what I would do if I had to roll this out within a, a, an organization, I would work with my HR department in coming up in a communications campaign that combines the mental drive that a lot of organizations are currently driving anyway because of remote working and burnout mm-hmm. syndrome and all the all the reasons that we know or leftovers from the pandemic. So I would work with the HR department to come up with and obviously find, finding out what's in place already. A lot of companies already have great offerings and perks in place and see what is there already that we can reuse as part of the campaign, but then make it a proper cyber wellness, where the term might be, campaign. And you starting with awareness, a sort of what I mean, awareness is like the education part of mm-hmm. it. And then also providing the users with tools that will help them to incorporate those techniques into their daily lives and um, into their personal lives by equipping them with apps, with tools that allow them to, with arts, like obviously that we don't expect them to meditate for an hour every day. If they want to, that's great. Give them little techniques or tools or apps that allow them to do a five minutes one or hey, here's a one-minute stress-reducing breathing exercise you can do. That's what I would do. And then also offer where that's possible, but offer access to extra wellness, like free yoga classes and things like that. Okay, cool. And then if you were thinking about specific behaviors to target around wellness, or maybe there's a different way to ask the question. So I'm thinking behaviors, but what I'm trying to get at is essentially something that I can use as a barometer to know if this is working. Something like a, am I seeing people be fished less? Am I seeing people use better passwords? Would there be some kind of metric that you could attach to it to know if you're being effective? Yeah, that's interesting. I think it would have to be a combination like with with anything in security awareness, a combination of fish-prone percentage that we can roll it out to different segments of the population and then have a comparative value, but then also use surveys and self-assessment tools. Do you feel better? Do you feel more in the moment? Ask actual questions Mm -hmm. about that, maybe workshop type reviews. Well, it looks like we're almost out of time today. So I'm going to give Jasmine Eskinzi the last word, and then I'll be back to wrap up with a few closing thoughts. 
And when we look at cybersecurity, as we've mentioned, it is such a fast-paced industry and people are having alert fatigue on a daily basis. The threat landscape is expanding at an unprecedented rate and we need people to be at their best. We need people to be able to think clearly, to be in control and to be calm so they can react from this place of a calmer mindset. So at the end of the day, I think mindfulness really comes down to intention, helping ourselves and our employees intentionally focus on the task at hand, to calmly and logically process situations and to make better decisions. That sounds really beneficial from a security perspective. I mean, after all, we've been trying to promote security awareness for a long time. And when you think about it, there are actually two sides of security awareness. One side is knowing what types of threats and situations to be on the lookout for. And organizations promote that kind of security awareness by providing information. But the other side of that coin is an aware mindset, an alertness, a way of processing all the information and situations around us and reacting in the best possible way for the best possible outcome. And ultimately, for the health and well-being of ourselves, our organizations, and our society. And with that, thanks so much for listening, and thank you to my guests, Anna Collard, Michael Davis, and Jasmine and Yvonne Eskenzi. I've loaded up the show notes with more information about today's guests, as well as all the relevant links and references to the information that we covered today. So be sure to check those out. If you've been enjoying 8th Layer Insights and you want to know how you can help make the show successful, there are, as always, two big ways you can do so, and both are still super important. First, if you haven't yet, go ahead and take just a couple seconds to give us five stars and to leave a short review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform that allows you to do so. That helps other people who stumble on the show have the confidence that this show is worth their most valuable resource, their time. And the second big way that you can help is by telling someone else about the show. Word of mouth referrals are priceless. They are the lifeblood of helping people find good podcasts. And if you haven't yet, please go ahead and subscribe or follow wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you want to connect with me, feel free to do so. You can find my contact information at the very bottom of the show notes for this episode. This show was written, recorded, sound designed, and edited by me, Perry Carpenter. Artwork for 8th Layer Insights is designed by Chris Machowski at ransomware.net, that's W-E-A-R, and Mia Rune at miarune.com. The 8th Layer Insights theme song was composed and performed by Marcus Moscat. Until next time, I'm Perry Carpenter, signing off.